Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. The gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive, but Christians have some navigating to do. The culture we live in hates the message that we cherish. We know the gospel we share is offensive, but sometimes we make it more offensive by our behavior. Is there a way to share an offensive message to an offended culture while not being gratuitously offensive ourselves? Author Blake Long challenges evangelicals, let the gospel do the offending, not us. The gospel is offensive enough. Our attitude, our smugness shouldn't make the gospel harder to believe. Blake Long helps us find the problem and points us to the solution, Jesus Christ. There's no time to retreat, only time to engage, to engage with boldness and gentleness, bluntness and compassion. In short, we can start witnessing like Jesus. And here to talk about his new book, Gospel Smugness, Displaying Christ-like Character in Evangelism, is Blake Long. Blake is a Master of Theological Studies graduate from Midwestern Seminary. He's married to Shale. He's got kids. He is a teacher at his church, and he's here to talk about when evangelism goes wrong, gospel <laughs> smugness. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. Well, the back of your book says you have one daughter. I said you have kids. Do you have this? Is to say one? Well, that's okay. outdated now. But I have okay. two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I got it right. I was. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, you got it right. Yeah, being a prophet in in some sense. Some things there, have so. changed since then. Okay. Good deal. Well, I I, I had <clears throat> uh, surmised that. So you do have kids. That's awesome. Um, I got to ask you about the origin of the book. The title is very provocative. <laughs> Thank gospel gospel like smugness. <laughs> what prompted you to write this book? And yeah, why the title Gospel well, Smugness? The, the origin story of at least the idea was honestly, I was, I was at work and I was pretty bored at this particular place. And so I was just writing a blog on my phone at my desk. And um, I can't remember what initially prompted the idea to write the blog post, but I just decided to write one over the gospel's offensive, but you shouldn't be. Two days later, you know, being a novice at WordPress, I'm just looking at the stats to see all the five people that are reading it, you know. <laughs> right. And the number was way more than five. I'm like going, this is this doesn't make any sense to me. And so I actually contacted WordPress and I was like, hey, I think there's like a glitch in your system. And I said, no, this is organic, you know. And so I didn't realize, you know, there's like a referrer section on WordPress that shows you the, the other sites that refer it. And of course, challies.com showed up and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that still doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to look it up. And so obviously he, he shared on his a la carte that day. And I'm like going, oh my gosh, I've made it. So <laughs> I was very excited. And, and I knew up to that point, I wanted to write a book. Um, I just had no idea what it was going to be over. And so at least that showed me, this is something that people I think will resonate with, or at least see the way I see it. And so I was like, let's do it this way. Let's write this book. I can surely expound on this material. Uh, so that's where that started. It started as a blog post. It wasn't going to go any further than that until, you know, challenge shared. And I was like, hey, I can make something out of this. The title of the book, I originally was going to, to, to do The Gospel Doesn't Need Your Smugness. I sent that to all four of my elders. They all liked it, but all four of them said it's too long. 
which it's not really that too long. Do these elders have degrees in marketing? What, That's what, what I'm saying. I'm like, what's their expertise? Have, have you ever seen Drew Dick's book? His last book, it sold a lot and it's really long. But <laughs> <laughs> So I shortened it to gospel smugness. I was trying, I mean, I knew I was going to put gospel in it. I could not figure out a word to use. I was going to do arrogance, but I was like, listen, first time self-published or uh, author pragmatism isn't a great thing but sometimes you have to be that way and so i was like let's do smugness that's gonna make people go huh yeah <laughs> and so that's where that came from yeah it certainly does make people go huh the, the gospel yeah. smugness concept i guess my first question would be in relation to what you're saying the approach is so the gospel is offensive we don't need to be. I remember hearing similar things during my attractional church days and kind of the seeker sensitive. Isn't this just seeker sensitive thinking? What, you know, how is it different yeah. from from that kind of pragmatism? It's far from it. Um, I, I was trying to be intentional about that specific thing or something related to that in the book. Yeah. Um, that's why I, I thought I hit pretty hard on the, uh, I think it's the, love without truth chapter. I, I kind of take a pretty big dig at Protestant liberalism and stuff like that, but I wanted to make sure people knew that I'm not saying compromise. I'm not saying try to be a, attractive as you can to seekers or unbelievers. Cause you know, people don't seek God naturally. And, and so I wanted to make sure I didn't compromise on that message, but making sure I'm focusing in on though we have the truth of the gospel, we're just kind of jerks about it sometimes. Yeah. The idea of removing unnecessary barriers, mm -hmm. I think for some, they may hear, uh, especially in this age of wannabe prophets and I'm, I'm, a, I'm abrasive for Jesus. I'm a jerk for Jesus mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of right. thing. Right. So much of it is a, a positional stance against perceived compromise and things in, in others. But they also don't quite understand that, like, if our goal is for people to actually hear the message of the cross, you're actually creating a barrier that, you know, mm -hmm. obscures that message in, in right. some way. So it's not mm -hmm. about trying to compromise a message or water it down. It's about trying to create an open line of communication where someone can actually hear the message. And if they're offended by the message of the cross, this is kind of in, in your back cover copy, and I know it's in your book as well, then we're letting the Holy Spirit sort that out. Exactly. But we don't need to hinder or or help in compromise or hinder in our being, you know, belligerent or being smug, to, to use your language. What does it look like? I mean, what are some examples yeah. of gospel smugness that you use in the book or what are some examples of gospel smugness you've encountered in your own own life well it, honestly to your point before that I, I i wrote the book and then you know not that long ago at least on twitter all the drama happens on twitter but it's the whole winsome conversation i'm like going that's it yeah that's exactly what i'm trying to say in the book you want to be <laughs> right. winsomely we're not supposed to be winsome like <laughs> i'm not gonna shy away from saying that. i'm like michael kruger wrote the article i'm like going yes it's exactly here here's my book um so Examples of smugness. My wife's grandmother, she gave me permission to put this in the book, although I didn't use the names. She has a friend 
who they're, they're both Pentecostal. And so they're a little more hardcore than we are on, on that respect. And she went to a, a golden corral and saw a family she, she knows well, and that their son or daughter had just passed away. And she walks up to the table and basically the family's like, yeah, he just passed away, but you know, we know he's in heaven. He was, uh, he was baptized and that's all they said. Yeah. And she knew they were church of Christ. Normally what you would do in that situation is just offer your prayers and condolences and kind of just move on with your day. Well, she said, if he didn't believe in Jesus, he's in hell. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. This is true, but not true. You know, not necessarily yeah. the most important thing for this occasion at your local golden corral for lunch. <laughs> so it's just one of those things where it's reading the room and a lot of this does come down to common sense and just being a decent person. Sometimes we do get in our own way and like to like to be jerks about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. in the end, aren't aren't you talking about that the gospel message isn't just isn't just an ideology. It's not just an abstract. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. It actually changes people. Right. And so in some sense the idea of communicating it is adorned or at least given a, a living apologetic by our by our demeanor by our disposition by the fruit of the spirit in other words right. i mean you know christian transformation right. is not itself the gospel but it is a fruit of the gospel mm -hmm. and therefore we become kind of credible which is it's fascinating to me that there are folks the same folks who criticize kind of the winsome thing have been negative about people concerned about witness about our yeah. witness you know and certainly there are ways that people use that as an excuse to sand off the rough edges of Christianity and to compromise sure. because they don't want to be embarrassed in the, you know, the way the culture is going and, and that sort of thing, or they're trying to, to acculturate themselves, but it's not unbiblical to be concerned about witness. Is it to, you know, to think that our witness should reflect right. the gospel. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be, again, like you just said, you don't want to be too concerned. It's kind of, I, I make the point in the whole book about different things we can do to make sure we're not offensive. And then at the conclusion, I wanted to make sure, but don't let that get in the way of actually sharing the gospel with people. I mean, literally just today, I saw somebody share a tweet about, it's the whole same thing of preach the gospel, basically, if necessary, use words. I'm like, just like, no. You, you might have rough edges and don't, don't intentionally try to be rough with people, but make sure at the end of the day, the gospel is still shared. Uh, the Holy Spirit will sort out your holiness and, and make sure you're, you're more quote unquote winsome the next time you share the gospel. Yeah. I was amazed, enlightened when I read several years ago that, so that quote, you know, use the gospel or uh, preach the gospel with necessary use words is usually attributed to St. Saint, Saint Francis yeah. of Assisi. And he never said that, apparently. The, oh, my gosh. It's, so, it's a, so it's even like an apocryphal. <laughs> right. It's like it's like one of those things like when people say C.S. Lewis, you know, live, laugh, love, yeah. C.S. Lewis. Right. Or so, you know, something like that. It's, it's Not only did he not say it, he's not That's the kind of person who would have said it. And so the article that I read, which I think was this was probably over 10 years ago um, because the quote was just so all over the place it was i think it was on christianity today they they had a little article i think it was from mark galley or somebody who was like 
not only did he not say this, he actually wouldn't have said this. And I, I found it really interesting <laughs> yeah. what, what we attribute. Hey, you have a chapter on knowing your audience, which I think we've kind of alluded to a little bit here in our, in our, in our conversation. But talk me through that chapter a little bit. What does it mean to know your audience? How does knowing your audience impact how we present the gospel? Yeah, it's kind of having a, a little bit of communication skills, per se. Some people don't have all of that, but a lot of it is just understanding where you are. I mean, two examples come to mind. One is, you know, if you're on the street corner, open air preaching with a megaphone, I don't have anything against that. I personally probably wouldn't use a megaphone, but that's one thing you don't want to be doing that in your local Starbucks, um, <laughs> okay. in yeah. your local, in your local Starbucks, you want to be sitting down, with, uh, having a conversation with somebody with a cup of coffee, um, and just being a human and having a conversation. And then the other thing is uh, at least the story I put in the book, we went on a mission trip to Provo, Utah in 2016 to evangelize Mormons. And, you know, that was a whole trip in and of itself, but got back and about two days later i was at she was my girlfriend back then of course but my wife's apartment on a sunday afternoon got a knock on the door which was very strange it was two lds sisters because she lives at the time she lived basically right next to the mormon ward Mm. and i'm like going oh boy all right let's so we invited them them in and had like a three-hour conversation we went round and round and round in circles about grace, heavenly father, Jesus is not the brother of Satan, all of this good stuff. And I, I knew they were just going to, we were going to keep going in circles. And I finally just had to, I told myself I needed to at least say the things I needed to say before they left. So I talked about, you don't believe in the true gospel, all of these sorts of things. And to this day, I, I, I say my wife can attest that I think I said that in a very gentle way because I don't say this disrespectfully, but Mormons are kind of skittish. Nicest people in the world, but they just don't like confrontation. And I said that as nice as I could, and I still made one of them cry. And I'm like, oh, I'm not trying to make you cry. I'm just, I, I can't not say this. And so it's something like that where in that situation, knowing the background of LDS people, they're not really big on confrontation. And so it's always important to probably use a more nicer tone when you talk to them, even if you have to say hard things. Yeah. Well, on the, uh, you know, the corollary to that or on the kind of flip side of that, you have a chapter on the right use of righteous anger, confronting mm-hmm. with righteous anger. So you're not saying there's never a time for indignation or for I don't know if bluntness is the word or just for, for, you know, for a sharpness, how do we know when, when it's time to use righteous anger or when to express, I guess it should, I should say. um, Honestly, there's a, there's a practical side to this. And then there's a a spiritual side. (laughs) I say spiritual and all, all, since I'm talking to you, all I can think of is when I read your, uh, read your book, the, Oh, I can't even remember the title, but you always talk about how you capitalize the S in spiritual because you're talking about, Supernatural power for everyday people. And so part of it is as you're talking with somebody, I mean, if you're paying attention, you'll you'll see whether they're kind of abrasive or if they're soft spoken. And so obviously just being a human being, you 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 kind of figure out while you're talking with somebody, how how blunt do I need to be? And is it okay? Are they going to take it? Well, that's the practical side of it. Just paying attention. The other part is uh, you got to lean on the Holy Spirit. 
I mean, we don't want to focus too much on trying to be so mechanical and technical about when we have conversations with the people rely on the Holy spirit. We're going to mess up a lot, but at the end of the day, he's where our words come from and, and he'll, he'll show us how aggressive or non-aggressive we should be. That's good. Tell me a little bit about the supernatural witness that I think this dovetails nicely with with what you're just discussing. The, the last chapter is about, a witness that is supernatural. So how does that relate to our presentation of the gospel? A supernatural witness really comes down to possessing, truly possessing both truth and love in order to, to be Christian uh, by definition, we must believe certain things. We must have the truth, those essential attendants of the Christian faith not really delving into different side doctrines. So we, we must have the truth. If we don't have the truth, this really isn't a conversation. And then at the same time, we must have love. We must have compassion for people. Nowadays, we're still dealing with the LGBTQ community and and the gender identity people and the pronoun movement and all these sorts of things that we should disagree with um, and should be firm in that. But that doesn't mean we don't love these people as people, as God called us to love them. Um, and so we must have the truth and be able to communicate that truth in love at its end of the day, not compromising on that truth. Yeah, you write, only the Holy Spirit of God can make us into people who genuinely know the truth and genuinely love other people. The truth that grips our minds needs to penetrate down into the depths of our hearts and cling tightly. The truth we speak to lost people needs to come forth from a heart filled with love. The love we have for other people needs to be rooted in God's truth, which is in his word. This is the witness we need in our evangelism. Without truth and love, we either come off arrogantly, truth without love, or enabling somebody in his or her sin, love without truth. Truth with love is what it comes down to. To not have both means we are lopsided, immature Christians at best. And of course, it's the Holy Spirit that bears the fruit of love in our in our hearts, if we, if we are believers in the gospel and not just users of the gospel, right? We're becoming more and more conformed to the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit is, that's what the fruit of the spirit is, is, is Christ-like character. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's conforming us through the process of, that we call sanctification to the image of Jesus. And what better credibility for the power of the gospel than communicators of the gospel that resemble Jesus, the, the, the center the, yep. of the, of the gospel itself. Brother, what do you hope this book will do? What are your, your hopes for, so, you know, someone picks up gospel smugness and reads it. What do you hope they walk away with? I hope it gets us back to the gospel. At the end of the day, that's what we need to be reminded of every day. When we lose sight of the gospel, that's when all of our sin, all of our snark, because I'm naturally a snarky person. Um, <laughs> and so when, when we forget the gospel is when all of this goes haywire. So at, at the end of the day, I want it to, to point us back toward Christ. Well, you're speaking my language there. We're talking with Blake Long. He's author of the book Gospel Smugness displaying Christ-like character and evangelism. Brother, where, where can people find the book if they want to pick up a copy? You can go to Amazon. I think it's on Barnes & Nobles online. And then if you want, you can buy it directly through me as well. Look for Blake Long, Gospel Smugness. I think you'll be blessed. And dear listener, as always, if you enjoy the podcast, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And until next time, 
May Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.